going to take our text today with the help of the Lord. This is where the Lord sort of centered my heart for this hour. And I don't question, I don't ask um, if the Lord wants something different uh, when, he, when He lays something pretty severe on your heart. So this is where we are today, Acts chapter number 16. And of course, the book of Acts is a very exciting book. If you want, a, if you want a lot of drama, man, you can go, and I'm talking about good drama, you can go to the book of Acts. And you find the birth of the church there in Acts chapter number 2, of course, on the day of Pentecost, the permanent abiding presence of the Holy Spirit for the first time began to set on believers. And, uh, of course, the church was birthed, and you'll see a great explosion, but you'll see great persecution as well. And in spite of all the persecution that the early church faced, man, the church just continued uh, to grow and to abound. I do remember this. Uh, anytime there's any kind of growth, man, there's going to be friction. And when friction is involved, that means there's some motion. If there's no friction, that means there's no motion. But when you start moving forward for the Lord and you continue on, there's going to be some friction at some point or the other. And there was certainly a lot of friction in the book of Acts, but yet God got the glory out of it all. As a matter of fact, you can go to chapter 15. We're not going to look there. But there was a great, uh, the Bible calls it a contention between Paul and Barnabas on the first missionary journey. Paul and Barnabas had went, and boy, they'd, make, they'd, they'd birthed a lot of churches and won a lot of souls to Christ. And uh, then during the, before they went on the second missionary journey, there was a great contention about John Mark, according to chapter number 15, and it was so severe that they parted ways. And what Paul did, Paul chose Silas, and Barnabas, uh, he took John Mark with him. You say, well, now what good could come out of that? Well, there's great good. Um, I mean, it was, it was a great, I guess, spreading of the gospel. God took that situation where there was a division between Paul and Barnabas over a man by the name of John Mark, and instead of having one missionary team, now you got two missionary teams. You got Paul and, and Silas going one way, and you got Barnabas, and you've got John Mark going the other. And God got the glory out of all of that. And by the time we pick up reading here in chapter number 16, Paul is on his second missionary journey. He's following up on some of the churches that he had been to before, and then he's hitting some new places as well. And, of course, there's a lot of travel involved. And as we look today, I'm going to read quite a bit of Scripture. And uh, there's just a, I really don't have a great outline. I don't even have a title. But uh, when we get to the end, I hope you'll understand where we are as we'll be dealing with the Philippian jailer for just a moment. But notice in Acts chapter number 16, in verse number 11, we'll pick up reading here. Now, by the time you get here, the churches have been revisited. And he's going to a place called Philippi. And, of course, we've got one uh, book of our Bible in the New Testament called the book of Philippians. That was an epistle or a letter that was penned down to the church in Philippi. Philippi, uh, Philippians was Paul's most personal letter. The whole theme of Philippians was rejoice in the Lord because the Lord had done so much. My life's verse is found in the book of Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me regardless of what I face, regardless of what you face. Man, that's, there's power in that verse right there, man, because you can do all things, not on your own strength, not on your own power, but through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, I'm glad he's got saving power. He's got sufficient power. He's got power to enable us to do things that we were incapable of doing apart from him. I hope that makes sense because it's factual today. Even in 2024, what I need more is a touch of God on my life. And the Lord empowers me. He enables me. And he'll do the same for you once we learn to listen once we learn to lean and linger in his presence. That's the message in itself right there. But I'm just simply saying that letter to the Philippians was Paul's most personal note to rejoice in the Lord. And here is one of these visits, the second visit that he made. Notice what your Bible said in Acts 16 and verse number 11. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia. And a colony 
And we were in that city abiding certain days. Now, we don't know the exact time, but days is certainly plural. So he was there for several, several days. You'll see that account again here in just a moment. But I want you to pay careful attention to verse number 13. That'll be important to the message as we move forward. But the Bible said in verse 13, And on the Sabbath we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made, and we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. Now, just get this and try Sort of park this in the back of your mind as we move forward because it'll come up again. They went down to the river on the Sabbath day. Well, why is that important? As you study through the ministry of the Apostle Paul, every time he went into a city, Brother Brandon, he would go in on the Sabbath day where? He would go into the synagogue, and that's where he would address and he would preach unto uh, the Jewish leaders and the Jewish people of that day, and he was preaching the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The same message that I will be preaching today. That's how a sinner must be saved. That's why Jesus told uh, Nicodemus you must be born again. That's what salvation is. When people come to the realization that they're lost, as our choir just sang about, glad I got lost so I could be saved. Once you realize you're lost, thank God there was a Savior that died for you. He was buried three days again. He rose again victorious over death, hell and the grave. That is the gospel in a nutshell. And Paul went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and preached, but he didn't do it here. Why is that? There was no synagogue in Philippi. That's why they went down by the riverside. That's important. By the time we get to the end of the message, you just park that in the back of your mind. Why in the world did they go down by the riverside? Why didn't they go to synagogue? Because there weren't a synagogue in Philippi. This was a Roman colony in Macedonia, and there wasn't a whole lot of Jewish lineage in that area, so there was no synagogue, but they went down by the river, and you know what? And You hear me say this quite often. I'm glad God's not confined to a four-wall building. Listen, God just didn't meet with them in the synagogue. He don't just meet with us in the church house, although I'm glad that He does. I'm glad He'll meet with you out in the woods somewhere at the house, in the hospital, wherever you are. I'm glad He can still meet with you. But look at verse number 14. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And we learn a few things about Lydia there. She's a seller of purple. She's from the Thyatira. If you remember the seven churches that Jesus addressed to Asia Minor in Revelation chapter 2, Revelation chapter number 3, one of those churches was the name of Thyatira, and Jesus addressed that. We do believe that it had its founding through the ministry of this lady, and certainly being one to Christ right here in just a moment, uh, through the hands of the Apostle Paul. Now listen, Paul was made out of the same stuff I am, same stuff you are, but he had a powerful message that would change a life. Man, I can't change a life, but I'm glad the message that I proclaim and I preach and I publish is able to change my life, able to change your life once you apply it by faith to your heart's door. So we see Lydia is there by the riverside. Look at verse 15. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. So here's the order again. She got saved, then she was baptized. Hey, we ain't preaching on baptizing this morning, but that's the order, by the way. And of course, Acts chapter number 2 and about verse number 47. And they that gladly received his word were baptized in the same day were added into the church, about 3,000 souls. Here's the order. Salvation, water baptism by immersion. Number three, church membership. Amen. That's God's 
order for the church. Remember, God founded three things. Number one, he founded the home between one man and one woman. Not two men, not two women, but one man and one woman. God ordained the home. Then he ordained the government over there in chapter number nine of the book of Genesis. Again, God is the one that, that instituted the death penalty. If a man sheds another man's blood, his blood is required. It is to be carried out by our judicial system and by our law enforcement. According to Romans chapter number 13, we we're under, that, we're under that ordinance. We're to submit under those authority. Listen, they don't carry the sword in vain. In other words, there ought to be a proper respect for authorities because they are to carry out that penalty. But God instituted the home. He instituted the government, but then he instituted the church. Remember in Matthew chapter 16, he said, I will, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. I will was still yet future. When in the world was the church birth? Some say, well, it was in Matthew, it's in Mark, it's in Luke, it's in John. Absolutely not. It was born in Acts chapter number 2 on that day of Pentecost, man, when the Holy Spirit came down and began to fill believers and God ordained the church and I'm glad he's got some structure he's got some he's got some things that he expects of us number one if you're lost and you've never received Christ you need to be saved number two if you've been saved and you've trusted Christ you need to be baptized by mercy and if you've been baptized you've been you've been saved you've been baptized then you need to yoke up to a local fundamental Bible preaching church notice I didn't say yoke up to faith community Baptist church but everybody ought to have three homes number one more I'm still I'm just digging all around here and I ain't really got nothing to look at. Everybody ought to have three homes. You ought to have a good home where you can go to and you can just lay down your head at night. Boy, thank God he's blessed us. He's blessed every one of us in here. We got plenty to eat. We got shoes on our feet. We got clothes on. I'm telling you, God has blessed us exceedingly and abundantly and we're lacking in the praise department. God's been so good to us, but everybody needs that physical home. But then everybody needs a church home. Everybody needs that man. Not only individually, but collectively as a family. Man, you need to be under the teaching of the Word of God. You need to be under the preaching of the Word of God. You need to be underneath the worship environment where you can praise the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hey, the Bible still said in the book of 2 Peter chapter 3, and verse number 18, we're to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How in the world are you going to grow if you don't have a church home? You ought to have a physical home. You ought to have a church home. But everybody ought to have a heavenly home. But everybody's got an eternal home, and it's one of two destinations. There's a heaven to gain to those that receive Christ, and there's a, there's a place called hell uh, for those that reject Jesus Christ. So thank God heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. You're not going to accidentally get there. You're not going to just stumble in. You go by making a conscious decision to receive Christ as Savior. Man, everybody needs that heavenly home. Jesus is going to prepare that place, but it's up to me and it's up to you. We'll deal with that here in just a minute as well. But there ought to be a physical home. There ought to be a church home. There ought to be a heavenly home. Well, listen, Lydia, here she was. She gets saved and she's baptized. And notice verse number 16. And it came to pass as we went to prayer... A certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. So here's this, this girl that, that is, she's got a spirit of divination. She is, she's been possessed, if you will. And basically there's people that, that are pawning her out and they're making money on her possession. Well, watch this in verse 17. 
The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this she did many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And he came out the same hour. Now notice, didn't go in Buddha's name. Didn't go in Muhammad's name. Didn't go in Confucius's name. Didn't go in Joseph Smith's name. Went in the name of Jesus Christ. That's why there's something about that name. I love that. When Sister Savannah begins to play that song, man, I know the words it rolls along with. There's something about that name. That's what'll listen. That's what'll pull you out of the miry, uh, the depths of sin. That's what'll set those shackles free. That's what'll take that needle out of your arm. That's what'll take that bottle and that wine glass out of your hand. I'm telling you, it's the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and. His arm hadn't been shortened in this day. He's still able, he's still capable to do the incredible and the impossible. And here he came in Jesus' name. And the Bible said that spirit came out the same hour. What happened? Well, her masters that were making profit and gain off of her demon possession. Look at verse 20. Uh, or verse 19, and when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace of the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Now, what they didn't realize was this, that Paul was a Roman citizen. You'll find that a little bit later. And they were, they were so fearful here later on that they, they, said they tried to get them out of the city because they had beat them. And when it talks about beating them, they were striped 39 times with a cat of nine tails, just like Jesus endured. That's what the Romans would do. They thought a man could take 39 lashes, but he couldn't take 40. 40 would probably kill him. So there's 39 lashes uh, or 40 save one. So 39 times they're beaten, and then they're thrown into prison. Listen, they didn't rob a bank. They didn't kill anybody. They simply went. Lydia's life was changed, turned upside down. This woman that uh, had this spirit of divination, had this unclean spirit, was cast out by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And her master saw that, that, that don't tell me that money ain't the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. Because the Bible said that in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10. They loved their money more than they loved the soul of that woman that just had got saved. Her life's been changed. They're upset, so they beat them. Throw them into the prison house. Well, listen, I've often said these boys couldn't have been Baptists. You say, why is that? Because at the midnight hour, they, wouldn't, they didn't have the poochie lip. They wasn't griping. They wasn't complaining. They were singing praises unto the God of heaven. In spite of their circumstances, in spite of their obstacles, in spite of the difficulties and the problems that they faced, they still praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't tell me that it don't make a difference how you and I respond to what we're faced with in life because it does make a great difference. I tell you, it made such a great difference that a whole household was saved by the marvelous grace of God because two men handled themselves in a spiritual, in a way that honored the Lord Jesus Christ during difficult circumstances, during difficult problems, they still praised the Lord. Notice what it said in verse 
number four, 24, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Now, there's a difference between the inner prison and the outer prison. The inner prison, there'd probably be absolutely no sunlight down in our brother Ed. Here they are in a dark place. They're probably in a dirty place. I'm, I'm sure sanitation was not that great during those days here in this prison cell that they've been through in with thieves and with robbers and with, with rapists and with murderers. Here they've been thrown in there with them simply by following the Lord Jesus Christ, going many, many miles to talk about the death and the burial and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But listen, they might have been down in there, but there was somebody else with them, Brother, brother Ed, to make no mistake about that. There was somebody else in the prison cell, the same one that allowed Peter to get out, the same one that stood by Paul later on in chapter number 20. Man, it's none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm glad he never leaves us alone regardless of what we face. But it goes on to say in verse number 26, or verse 25, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Now wait a minute. Wait a minute. These boys have just been beaten. 39 times they've had lashes laid across their back. They're not on the outer prison. They're on the inner prison, on the inside. Dark, deep, dirty. I mean a depressing, deserted place with all the other incarcerated people that probably were there for a whole lot worse than what they were. And they're dealing with that. But instead of getting a poochy lip, instead of griping, instead of complaining about how their conditions could be better and they don't understand why this, why that, no, you don't see that at all. The Bible said they prayed and they sang praises unto God. They didn't sing praises one to another. They sang praises. And by the way, when we sing, I don't sing to you. You don't sing to me. You better not sing to me. I better not be singing to you. We sing those praises unto God. Part of our mental, our, our mental standing, according to the book of Ephesians, we're to have those spiritual speaking to ourselves in hymns and songs and spiritual songs. Those saying, making melody in your heart unto the Lord. Amen. I mean, music shouldn't be show business. It ought to be a time where we worship God. I'm glad God uses talent. And we've got great talent within our church, within the four walls here, of folks that sing unto the Lord. I'm not casting souls. I'm just saying they didn't sing one to another. They made much of Jesus in an inner prison, in a dark place. And the Bible said that last part of verse number 25, and the prisoners heard them. Now, who else was there with the prisoners? Well, the guards would be there, Brother Harold. The jailer would have been there. And notice as you read on in verse number 26, well, what happened after they, they praised the Lord? Well, well, it got God's attention. It's sort of like this. You go down the road, and I've tried to use this illustration before. You go down the road, and somebody sees Brother Harold and says, Brother Harold, you sure do look, that vest looks great today. Man, that red shirt that Nina picked out for you and that tie you got on and that coat, you look sharp today. Now, let's say Harold's walking down. If you say that to him, you're going to get his attention, right? You're going to get, if, you, if, you, if you say something to compliment somebody, you're going to get their attention most of the time. Listen, when you compliment God and you tell Him how good He is and how wonderful He is, you sing praises unto Him, you're communicating by prayer, you're going to get His attention. Well, how did He respond? Look in verse number 26. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened. And everyone's bands were loose. That word immediately, you'll find it in Mark chapter number 2 as well, 
when that paralytic boy man was carried by those four, when the Lord Jesus Christ told him to take up his bed and walk, the Bible said immediately. That's like snapping your fingers. It's like batting your eye. That's how quick that was. God sent this earthquake. All the prison doors were open. Well, why is that important? Notice as we read on. Verse 27, And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. Well, what's the important thing about that? Why did the, the, the keeper of the prison, why did that general, why did he pull out a sword? Because his life, according to Roman customs and law and tradition, the Roman jailer was responsible for the lives of those prisoners. If one escaped, then somebody's life was to be given as a substitute. Somebody was going to die. If they were in charge, if that jailer was in charge of one of those inmates and one of them got away and they didn't get him, his life was required. So he knew, Brother Brandon, his life was done. He pulled out the sword. When that earthquake came, the foundation of the, of the prison was shaken. People were loosed out of their chains. And he thought, surely to goodness, they're all gone. And he was going to kill himself. But look at what Paul told him in verse 28. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. They didn't run. They didn't try to escape. The Bible said in verse 29, Then he called for a light and sprang in, came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What a question that was. It reminds me of the, the guy in Luke chapter the prodigal son. You remember when he was out there, the Bible said he came to himself. Well, here this old jailer's come to himself. And he knows he ain't got, he got something he can live with, but he ain't got nothing he can die with. And his life come really, really close right there, because, man, if just one had escaped, he would have been killed. So he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? You know, there's a lot of questions today. A lot of people may even have that question today. And it depends on who you talk to. Do you go down to the Methodist joint? They're going to tell you that if you do good to your brother, you do good to your, and the Catholics as well, you do good to this one, you do good to that one, then you can be saved. You follow the golden rule, then you can be saved. But that ain't what the Bible said. That ain't what the Bible said at all. A lot of people think, well, you know, if my good outweighs my bad, then, you know, God will let me in. No, sir. No, ma'am. And there's even, and I don't mean just be throwing off on me. Hey, there's some Baptist churches the same way. Hey, man. That's exactly, even Gracie said that's right on there. But you think about it. There's a lot of people that think, well, there's a lot of ways to get to heaven. Listen to Oprah Winfrey. Amen. She says there's many ways. Barack Obama said there was many ways. We don't matter who says, what does the Bible say? Jesus said, John 14, 6, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts 4 and verse number 12 said, Neither is there salvation any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You cannot interpret that any other way. It's Jesus or it's nothing. And this man was inquisitive. He said, what must I do to be saved? Well, why did he ask that question? Why did he ask Paul and Silas? Because he knew, Brother Ed, there was something different about those two boys. There was something different about them. Although they've been beaten, although they're in that deep and that dark and that dirty place and that prison cell, they've been, they've been praying unto God. They've been singing praises unto God. And this man no doubt said, you know what? I don't know nothing about them, but they got something that I don't have. I sure couldn't be able to sing it an hour like that. And he wanted what they had. 
Here's a good thing. You know what? I've experienced what that man received. I hope you have experienced what this man received. If you hadn't, hey, the Bible said today is a day of salvation. Maybe you've even asked that question. Preacher, what must I do to be saved? Well, listen to what he said. Verse number 31, and they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Now, a lot of folks say, well, if one person gets saved, that means the whole house. No, that ain't what that means. Notice as you read on, look at verse 32. And they spake unto him the words of the Lord, and to all that were in the house. They presented the gospel unto him. Then they went to his house, Brother Ed, and they presented the gospel unto those that were in the house. We'll look at verse number 33. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his straightway when he had brought them into his house he set meat before them and rejoiced believing in God with all his house one by one as Paul began to present that gospel one by one got that answered question what must I do to be saved I believe old Paul said hey it's Jesus you got to call on him and you know what they did? Again, Romans 10 and 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. No doubt Paul laid that out. Romans 10 9, That if thou shalt confess thy mouth, the Lord Jesus shall believe in thine heart. That God hath raised thee from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Paul took them down that Roman road before there was a Roman road and began to share the gospel. And one by one, starting with that Philippian jailer, he got saved. And then probably his wife, then his kids, who all, I don't know how many was in the house, but the Bible said all of them got saved and all of them got baptized baptized, identified with the death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ being submerged under that water. And this life, this man's life was changed. But you know, I got thinking about this. That old flipping jailer faced some walls as you face today, as our world faces today. There's some petitions, there's some barriers, and there's some walls. Well, what are those walls? Well, one, remember verse 13 I told you to put in the back of your mind. You better hang on to because it's coming back. No doubt the Philippian jailer faced some religious walls. So what do you mean religious law? He was under Roman authority. I mean, he worked for the Roman government. Again, according to verse number 13, when prayer was wont to be made on the Sabbath day, they didn't go to synagogue because they wouldn't want. I mean, there was some religious barriers. You think about Rome of that day. There was Diana. There was all kinds of pagan and, and worship going on, but not of a true God. Remember when Paul went to Mars Hill? He said, I perceive that you're too superstitious. I mean, they had a statue to everything. And then they had one statue in case they left one out to the unknown God. He said, man, that's the one you ignorantly worship. You need to worship him. But here, no doubt, he faced some religious walls we're living and i'll say it again and i'd say barack obama hit it right as one time in his life he told the truth but he said we were no longer a christian nation Amen. and that's right you look it up man we're in the we're in the minority anymore that upset me when i first heard it but we're in the minority we live in a godless society I'm talking about by and large. Listen, I get it. We're in the Bible Belt. Most people around here believe God. I mean, most of them do believe in the existence of God. But there's a whole lot more that don't believe even in the existence of God. And that's a wall. That's a petition. That's a barrier. A religious wall, if you will. That's got to be torn down when you get to the point. Because one of these days, honey, you're going to die. I mean, we don't like to talk about it. But Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 27 said, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this judgment. 
Saved and lost people die every day. And what makes the difference in their eternal destination is what you do with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, praise the Lord. As soon as you close your eyes in death, the Bible still said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But listen, if you're lost and you've never been born again and you don't know Jesus Christ as you say, listen, I love you. This church loves you. I, I'd do anything I could, but I cannot save you. But if you've never been saved, and you close your eyes in death you'll be just like the rich man and Luke 16 he opened his eyes in a flame of fire being tormented in this flame and there's no excuse for anybody to die lost and undone without God but there's religious barriers that are up and the Philippian jailer faced that he faced those religious barriers he probably faced those social barriers what social barriers? I mean listen He lived in a godless society. It was not popular. I mean, here we are, the Jews. uh, Notice the text. They've come in. They brought in this this religion, they say. That's why Paul and Silas were beaten, because these lives had been changed because they were preaching Jesus, and it wasn't popular. Got them through in jail. Can I remind you, the Bible still said in the book over there, uh, in the book of Timothy, one of them, uh, it said, Yea, and all that will live God in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. I believe it's First uh, Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 12. You're going to suffer persecution. So socially, he had a barrier. I mean, the odds were stacked against him. What must I do to be saved? Well, you're going to have to overcome the religious barrier. You're going to have to overcome the social barrier. But then, listen, he was going to have to overcome the environmental deal. Oh, yeah, he had an environmental wall. What are you talking about an environmental wall? Listen. He wasn't around choir boys. He was in the jail. He was a jailer. Dealing with murders, dealing with rapists, dealing with thieves, dealing with robbers, dealing with, I guess, the lowest of that day. They were thrown in prison. They wasn't in there singing Kumbaya and Amazing Grace. That environment that he was in, I'm talking about a rough and a tough environment that he was in. He had to overcome that barrier. So he overcome all those, but the greatest one that he had to overcome was not just the religious and the social and the environmental barriers and walls. He had a personal wall, a personal wall that had to come down in order for him to get to that point in his life when he said, you know, I've got something I can live with, but I don't have nothing I can die with. He came to that place, again, just like the prodigal in Luke 15, when he came to himself. He said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? You know what? The good thing about that, I can tell you by experience. I've been there, Brother Ed. When I came to that point in my life, I didn't really have to overcome those religious walls. Social walls, not really that big a deal. Environmental walls, that wasn't that hard for me. But all of us face that personal wall. Worse the decision you got to make and i got to make. You see, it's a personal choice. You think about salvation, Jesus says, come unto me. Now, discipleship is come after me. Now, once you get saved, he wants us to be a disciple. A disciple is somebody that mimics Christ, and we're to be Christ-like. That's what God expects of us as part of maturation and maturing in our Christian growth. But he says, come unto me at salvation. Then come after me for discipleship. When it comes to salvation, he's looking for surrender. When it comes to discipleship, he's looking for submission. But you know what? The only surrender that will bring you victory 
It's when you raise that white flag and said, I can't do this anymore. Amen. Lord Jesus, I need you. What must I do to be saved? This man overcome that obstacle. And he overcome that barrier. He come to that point in his life when he said, listen, you know what? I'm going to die one day, and I, I'm not prepared to meet eternity. I'm not prepared to leave. And he said, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And we know according to the Word of God, he got gloriously saved. He got gloriously born again. The same thing that the Philippian jailer had to do, Brian had to do. Same thing that I've had to do, you're going to have to do. You're going to have to get to that point in your life when you say, what must I do to be saved? And it's clear. You've got to call on the Lord. Listen, he loves you. Well, preacher, wait a minute. You don't know what I've done. We don't know what that Philippian jailer did either. I'm sure he wasn't a choir boy. He probably might have had a dirty mouth. Might have, might, I mean, he had sins. You know, a lot of times we don't, we don't always wear out our sins on our chest to say, oh, I used to do this, I used to do that. I mean, I don't believe in glorifying the past, but thank God for what God brought me from. But all of you say, well, preacher, i got a past. Well, just join the crowd, man. All of us do. All of us got sin. But there's not a sin that God can't forgive if you'll just bring it to Him as far as the east is. From the west, so far as He removed our transgression. See, that's, that's the good part of the grace of God that He's extended to me and to you and to everybody under the sound of my voice, whether you're in here or listen by way of the telephone or the CD ministry or the, or, or the live stream of the Facebook. It's a whosoever will gospel. It doesn't matter if you're red, yellow, black, white. It doesn't matter your social standing. It doesn't matter your economic standing. It makes no difference what your first name is, what your last name is, what your gender is. I'm telling you, you can be saved by the grace of God today if you'll get to that place like the Philippian jailer said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And boy, just graciously and kindly said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You want to go to heaven one day? You're going to have to go God's way. That's doing by the Lord Jesus. Sister Savannah's coming. I don't know what your need is today. But I know this. That truth that over 2,000 years ago, this Philippian jailer, almost 2,000 years ago, this Philippian jailer gets saved because he came come to that place in his life where he said, you know what? Paul, Silas, you boys, y'all got something different. And that's an important point for you and I too that are saved. We ought to carry ourselves in a manner that honors the Lord at all, not just good times, but in all times. Because there's eyes watching, there's little feet that's going to follow you. And boy, it made a difference in this man's life, and he got gloriously saved. But if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, man, it's the easiest thing in the world to do. Brother Bradley sent me a message this week. Several gave her heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ through the fellowship of Christian athletes up at Star Mountain High School or Middle School One. I say to God, be the glory. I don't care if it's Star, I don't care if it's Davy County, my West, it makes no difference where it's at. I just want people to be saved. But it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We all got to go the same way. And it's the same way this Philippians had. He had to break down some walls. There were some barriers. What's holding you back? What's keeping you from getting? Well, preacher, I've heard you and I know I need to get saved and I will one day. Why not today? Why not right now? The devil will never tell you don't get saved, but he will tell you this. Just don't get saved now. Kick that can down the road, but that day may never come if God deals with your heart right now. Now is the time.
to trust Christ. You might be in the center aisle somewhere. Somebody might be on the right of you and left of you. If you'll nudge them, you can get out and just be my privilege to lead you to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not going to look down on you. We're not going to look down on you. We're going to rejoice with you, man. I want your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but you got to trust Jesus Christ. I want to see you in heaven one day. I don't want you to go to hell, but if you reject the free pardon and forgiveness of sin that's found in Jesus, that's where you're headed and that's where you're going apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. But you can be set free. Break down those religious walls. Break down those social walls. Break down those environmental walls. Break down that personal wall and come to Christ just as you are. You'll be glad that you did. As we stand all over the house, let's pray. Father, I love you. I thank you, Lord, for the privilege, the opportunity. God, one more time to mount this pulpit and tell the truth of your word. And Father, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice today. God, break down that wall, break down that petition, break down that barrier. Somebody probably teetering on the line. God, somebody needs to linger today. Somebody needs to listen. Somebody needs to lean on Jesus. And Father, I beg in Jesus' name that you'd break down the walls that divide today for that one, maybe two, maybe three, maybe more that need to be saved. I pray that today would be that good, happy hour somebody receives Christ as Savior. Thank you, Lord, for saving me, for saving others. God, help our lives to make a difference in the lives of others. And we'll give you thanks. We'll give you praise for what you do. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Hello, friends. This is Brian Poindexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church, located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world, to equip the saints of God for service, and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages, and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service. And every second Sunday night of each month, we have what's called an eat and meet service. After our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's holy word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today, and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation. They prepare for retirement. They seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words, good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. 
and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You must understand that you're loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16, it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4, in verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Romans 10, 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it. No one can do it for you. Romans 10, 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, and if you're sorry for your sin, and you believe Jesus died for your sins, you simply have to ask him to save you. You might say, Preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? But first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which had sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, and if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them, if you believe Jesus died for your sins, and if you asked Him to save you, then the Bible declares you've been saved. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you've been forgiven of all your sin. Romans 8, 1 declares, There is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Once a person has been saved, they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible-believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us, and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here, and may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.